I've spent the last few years working for one of the largest shockwave clinics in North America, and I've learned a thing or two about the power and untapped potential of regenerative medicine. But the march towards a future where sickness is healed from its root cause is challenged by the influence of big pharma and their deep pockets. So now we're forced to answer questions like, how do we get rid of joint pain, take back our performance in the bedroom, and heal diseases from the inside out without band-aid medications or negative side effects? This show will give you the answers. Follow along as I interview the world's top experts and doctors and how they transform their lives and their patients' lives using the newest advances in biotechnology. I'm your host, Austin James Wolf, and you're listening to Modern Biotech Radio. Hey, what's going on, Modern Biotech Pioneers? Today, I'm joined by Caitlin V. How's it going, Caitlin? Hi, I'm great, Austin. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. So uh, share with our audience what, what you do, what you specialize in, what you love to learn about, what you love to teach. Yeah, so I am a sex and relationship coach, former sexual health researcher. So I come from the land of public health and policy analysis. And I actually left uh, public health to start my sex coaching practice so that I could work one-on-one to truly make a difference in people's sex lives. Um, My area of specialty that I have developed um, over the last several years is actually working with men who have performance anxiety, Mm -hmm. usually manifest as premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. Right, 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 right. Uh, I definitely want to ask you about that. But let me ask you this. So you were, you were going down, correct me if I'm wrong, you were down the path to get a PhD, correct? I was, yes. Awesome. Yep. And, and then you sort of left academia to pursue this, this one-on-one to get actual, to help actual, help actual people one-on-one versus just, I guess, tell me a little bit about that. What, what was it that yeah. you couldn't do in academia? Yeah, that's a great question. I have so much respect um, for academia, academics, and uh, and for the professional researchers out there. Thank you for all that you do. For me, I felt that the higher I got up into the ivory tower, which at the PhD level is about literally on the top floor, corner office, coffee machine. I mean, I had a good setup, uh, especially as a grad student. It doesn't get any better than that. But I was always teaching these classes at night. So I was teaching with LGBTQIA youth, homeless youth, polyamory, and non-monogamous communities. I was like an in-house sex educator for a lot of different communities. And that was so fulfilling for me because I could see week in and week out the impact that my work was having on someone's sex life. And I have always felt that sexual satisfaction is a human right. Um, And it's probably one that we don't have um, the most sophisticated conversation around. There's still so much shame, um, so much, so much limitation and so much dysfunction. And I think by elevating the conversation and saying, you know, this is important and people should have access to satisfaction. They should have access to sexual pleasure and erotic expansion. And, and these things are, these things are part of what makes a healthy person and a healthy life. Um, and so my, my desire to leave academia was really driven by um, the intensity that I felt in helping someone to really fully access, um, access what, what I think was, was, part of and is part of what makes them a whole healthy, happy human being. And um, that's how I ended up coaching. That's awesome. So I know that there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot to it, but what is some truths that are actually false about sex and relationships that you shed light on? Good question. That is a great question. Um, You know, for the men that I coach, one of the things I see happening the most um, in their marriages, particularly in long-term relationships, is this idea that sex really isn't important. 
mm-hmm. that it's something that is kind of a nice to have and not a need to have, you know, the sense that um, after a certain age, you shouldn't, shouldn't be experimenting anymore. You shouldn't be looking to have sex anymore. And I hear this from a lot of um, frustrated wives yeah. who say, you know what, we're past the child rearing age, you know, we're, we're retired. I don't want to deal with sex anymore. Uh, which I think is often the death knell. And a lot of men, they, they're good men. They want to stay in their marriages. They want to enjoy sex. And the disconnect between husband and wife in those situations is so stark that often it you know, either leads to the dissolution of the marriage, somebody going outside of the marriage, right. or maybe they find themselves in a situation where they're dealing with premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction, enter into this sort of shame cycle around, well, my my partner doesn't want me, my body's not working, and I think a lot of uh, older men especially get trapped um, by this myth that it's not fixable, there's nothing they can do, they shouldn't try, then they shouldn't want it anyway. Right, right. So if men are going down this downward spiral, how do you turn them around back into an upward spiral? Hmm. Well, there's a couple different ways of doing that, mm-hmm. right? Of course, we, we look at the physical body, right? And right. I'm sure you and I will talk more about that because that's really where our two areas of expertise overlap and intersect right. so beautifully. But we start with the physical body because that's the home of sex and pleasure. All the pleasure right. that you've ever felt, really, you felt through your right. body. Biological. Um, yeah, there's there's a physical, there, you know, your five senses plus your proprioception together create the majority of all pleasure that you'll ever experience in your life. It's hard to point to something that's pleasurable that isn't experienced through the right. senses, yeah. right? So we start with the physical body, but then we also do the mind, right? We've all been taught a lot. We have a sort of mental image, an idea of what sex is, what it's supposed to look like. And often we have a, a mish, mash, like a giant knot that incorporates intimacy, sex, and eroticism, Mm -hmm. as if those were just one thing, right? So part of my work is mentally helping people to do the lifting that's required to untangle that knot and really experience their sexual self, their erotic self, and their intimate self, and each of the unique and interesting and satisfying ways that we can connect with each of those individually. And then there's the emotional aspect. And then beyond that, there's an even spiritual aspect. Because, you know, if you've ever had an amazing sexual encounter where you felt like you and your partner came together in a way that was beyond just your bodies, that's a spiritual connection, right? And so sex also takes place in our sort of spiritual realm. So my job is to treat on every single level between the physical body all the way up to the spirit. Right, right. What are, what are some normal behaviors that couples have that are actually toxic or perhaps even damaging to their sex mm. life? Treating sex as a commodity is the number one toxic behavior that right. I see in relationships. So seeing- Give, give an example. That- So sex is something that can be earned, traded, given as a reward. You know, I often hear something like, oh, you know, he's been good this week. I guess I'll have to give him some. But even Mm -hmm. earlier on, you know, when you think of like young people and dating and how many of us thought like, oh, I got, I'm going to try to get some. She's going to give me some, right? And this idea really treats sex as if it is a commodity that can be bought, sold, traded, Um, which is not to say that. You know, certainly there is a, there's a, a field of, of sex work that actually does treat sex as a commodity, but that is not what we're looking for in a long-term romantic partnership, right? right? I think that treating sex as something that, um, that instead is part of what makes this relationship special and an area of 
you know, I like to say that we can really paint, when it comes to sex, we can paint with every color of the rainbow. Yeah. But we often have a very limited idea of what sex sex is. You know, we have a limited idea that sex is penetration. And we can be so intensely focused on penetration, on orgasm, you know, even on wetness or hardness mm-hmm. that we actually miss out on all the other colors of the rainbow. And I think that's one of the more toxic things that enters into relationships as well. Right, right. That makes sense. So let's say a guy has performance anxiety. How would you help him? Mm. So part of it is uncovering the root of that anxiety, okay. right? Um, mm. And we can do that in a um, multiple different ways. Part of it is just appreciating the pressure that he has put on himself to perform. Right. right? And where that comes from, you know, often for younger men, it comes from porn. Uh, Men that are like 35 and younger have had access to internet porn their entire life for the most part. And they have access, not when I say internet porn, what I mean by that is the largest repository of sexually explicit material ever created across all time. And that's nothing to scoff at because that's something that our brains are not hardwired to be able to handle. Remember for our ancestors, even like a hundred years ago, seeing a couple pairs of breasts out at like the watering hole or the swimming pool was a big deal. Now, fast forward and, you know, within three clicks on a phone, of a younger person can get access to some really hardcore explicit material. I'm not anti-porn, but this is something that we really have to enter into our conversation. That is part of where some performance anxiety stems from. Right. The other major area, I would say, and this is true across the board, older men, younger men, every man is touched by this performance anxiety, which is just a lack of real quality information about what makes sex great. You know, if you were to just follow the common line of thinking and conversation that takes place behind closed doors and men's locker rooms and, and between men, it's often about performance in terms of hardness, strength, virility. Right. Um, um, and and it, it's, it's sex is measured along those lines, like a, a conquering or a, uh, a sense of it, it, it's part of a, almost like a competition to be the best, right. right? And to be, yeah. to do the most and have the most lovers. And, be, and I think that this generates a sense of anxiety because men are not often having a vulnerable conversation. Like, you know, I couldn't get hard last week. And so they have no sense of like, well, you know, is that normal? Is that aging? Is that a sign that I actually need to go to my doctor? Is it a sign of anxiety? Right. So it's lacking in this vulnerable space. And I think this is something we're seeing a tide change around, but when men are not having those real conversations, what was actually going on in their bedrooms, I think they end up feeling a lot of anxiety because they're comparing themselves with an ideal and not with what's reality. Do you think that there will be a societal or consciousness shift around this topic in the next hundred years or, or not? What has to happen in order for that to happen? Yeah, I do. I think that sex is one of the great 
last taboos. Mm -hmm. And I see for myself, now I'm biased because I live in the world of coaching and personal development. So right. of course I'm surrounded by a lot of people who perceive this, but I think there is a move towards self-development and personal mm -hmm. development, just culturally, right? Yeah. And a lot of where I see that, I mean, look at even the past several years, the fame and the rise of Tony Robbins over the last 30 years, um, books like The Secret, ideas like the word manifesting being thrown around <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, on cable TV, right? This is something we didn't see five, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so I think there is a shift towards this uh, awareness that we sort of create our own reality and there's more available to us and we can become more conscious of the, the factors that are impacting our life that we actually do have more control over than previously thought previous generations were uh, engaged in. Right. That said, I think we see a lot of that around business. We see a lot of that around maybe relationships but a lot around like leadership and it's really driven by sometimes a, um, a financial development, like yeah. personal de development around money. Right. Right. And I think that sex has, and it's even deeper. It's even more taboo. You know, how many people would rather discuss your paycheck than your sex, sex life? life? Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're both uncomfortable, but if you had to choose, most people are going to go with the paycheck. Right? right. So when we look at sex as a place where we can develop and where we face the hard truths, but we face them in such a way that we actually get to grow beyond them and use them as sort of tools of development. We unravel a whole bunch of other stuff, including money, including relationships. I mean, sex really touches on every area of our life. I like to say that, you know, when we up-level in our sex life, we actually up-level in every area of our life because sex is so core to who we are. And I think we're, we're generally becoming more and more aware of that. Right, right. That makes sense. Now, of all the clients that you've worked with, without breaking confidentiality, what's one of your proudest success stories you've had with someone? Mm. Gosh. You know, the one that I uh, think uh, listeners will appreciate the most is mm. I worked with this man who, and he has given me permission to share his story because it is so powerful. Um, he married a woman who was previously in a relationship with one of his sports idols, very famous person. If wow. I said it, the majority of people listening would, would know this, this yeah. person. I mean, he, he really idolized this, um, this Oof. athlete. Oh, geez. And yeah, well, you can already see where this yeah. is going, right? <laughs> oh, so, so he ends up in a relationship with this woman previously dated that, that athlete. And, um, my client developed premature ejaculation actually already probably had it in place, but the anxiety around living up, to this athlete's prowess yeah. and his virility and the stories that he's, and a lot of guys already have that sort of sense of like, who has she been with before? Was he better than me? You know, am I the best and the biggest? In the yeah. A lot if, of guys if, my girl, have that. If, if my girl dated Chris Evans before me, I, I, would, I would be freaking out right now. I'd be like, Oh you man, would be we would all, right? Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyways, the, 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 his premature ejaculation performance anxiety really deteriorates over the course of their relationship. And it yeah. ends with her storming out and saying, you know, you'll never compare to him. You'll never be the man that he is. You'll never just destroys Oof. this man's yeah. confidence. And he, he really retreats into himself for many years. He comes to contact me because he's reconnected with a high school sweetheart. She lives on the other side of the country and they've developed this intense relationship. That's not physical. And they've decided that they're going to have their first date on a cruise, on an eight-day cruise. They haven't seen each other in 20-odd years, right? And oh not gosh. to mention that he's coming out of this 
premature ejaculation. Oh, and the cruise is in six weeks. Oh, geez. So he calls me and says, Caitlin, um, I need, I need this to be fixed in six weeks. We have six weeks. Can we do it? And, um, I was really still developing the methodology that I've mm-hmm. since become really well known for. Yeah. And I said, yes, we can do it. And you're going to have to do everything that I say though. And I really, I threw the book at him. I mean, he had a very intense regimen and he, he, stayed to it with absolute faithfulness and integrity. And after six weeks and what, I guess seven weeks, I'm waiting for the call after the cruise, like bated breath, like, did it work? Did it work? Did it work? And um, he calls me and he goes, Kaylin, I owe you the biggest thank you. You gave me my manhood back. He's like, I just, I, I did things this week I haven't done since I was a teenager, including some things literally on the road to the airport just now and I've never felt more confident, more happy and she's going to come back in two months. And anyways, the moral of the story is that done by that ex um, was swept away and he was able to usher in a new era of his sex life and his sexual confidence. Wow. That's incredible. What, what, what's, yeah. can, can, Can you share one of the strategies you gave to him or one of his pieces of homework with us on the show? If not, yeah. totally fine. No, this, this, this methodology is something I'm, I'm quite proud of. I call it come when you want because mm-hmm. that's ultimately what we're looking for, right? Yeah. We're looking, no one's looking for like 20 minutes on the dot every single time, right? Sometimes right. you want to spend all Saturday, right? um, for those of us who, who, um, who have the, the privilege of spending Saturdays in bed. I guess it kind of depends on your, you know, read. Yeah, little kids running around very challenging. But um, this methodology, uh, one of the base, like starting points, one of the foundational aspects of my methodology is our sexual relationship with ourself and how we approach sex with ourselves. Because so many of us approach solo sex very differently than we approach partnered sex. Right. Right. Partnered sex priority. That's real sex. Right. right. Everything else is just second rate. It's just masturbation. Huh. It's just yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, it, but, but think about what that does to our psyche and how it treats our sexual body when we treat our sexual relationship with ourselves like it's just maintenance. You know, like it's just, it's, this, it's not even the silver metal. It's not even bronze. It doesn't even place, you know, sex with other partners. That, that's all that truly, uh, that we focus on and that yeah. we look to create a great experience when we're with someone else. But how do we look to create a great experience when we're with ourselves? So big part of that is rewiring the relationship that we have to self-pleasure. Yeah. And one of the, one of my, one of the tips that I'll share that I think will be really immediately helpful is we tend to have a go-to self-pleasure style, you know, mm-hmm. you have you on the bed laying down the, using this kind of porn. It takes exactly six minutes. I use this kind of lotion. I've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. It's the majority of people that come to, to work with me, they have a very set pattern. You think about the way that our brains have evolved. Anytime that we are doing something that our brain associates with generating more members of our species and masturbation, our brain does see that, especially if we're watching porn as if we were having sex, right? right? And so the brain develops um, through the process of myelination, some very quick highways sort of to get from point A to point B. And we recreate the same result and our brain is rewarded by that every single time. So that becomes a very set habit, very, very set routine. And so one of the things I encourage my clients to do is to change their self-pleasure routine dramatically 
And at first, this kind of confuses the brain because this is not how the brain is used to operating. And over time, it actually helps them to develop increased control over erection, over ejaculation, and it helps them to develop a more creative relationship to themselves sexually and to their pleasure. Wow. Huh. That's actually a really good tip. Oh, wow. It's it's so much fun. People, I've had clients... um, who worked in uh, GIS technology and checked GIS trackers all over the world. And they have, um, I'll just say, put that tip into use in some very creative locations. Oh my God. Mountainsides and yeah. So, so take, take that. It's, it's an opportunity to get creative and that's really what sex is. It's, it's creativity. It's an opportunity to be creative. That's awesome. It's definitely, it's definitely an art form for sure. What what are what are some what are some bad recommendations you hear other in your field mm. talking about? Wow, that's a really great question um, because there is a lot of <laughs> a lot of bad advice out there. What's the first one that like sticks out to you? Well, I see a lot of people that either. So as a former scientist, I consider myself to be on both the both sides of science and evidence based and empirical practice and some more of the like woo woo, energetic, spiritual techniques. Right. And that's kind of why I left my research position, because I actually wanted to use all these to help people. But of course, in empirical science, like if it's not coming out of a peer reviewed journal, it hasn't been empirically proved. We can't really even talk about it. Right. Like chakras. Right. Just just nix all of that out. And I thought, well, there's a lot of power over here. And we actually really need to use both because the answer is not one or the other. It's yeah. always going to be somewhere in the middle. And so I'd say that the, the worst advice that I see is advice that ignores the other side. Huh. Right? Advice that just ignores huh. science, just plainly ignores it. Just like, you know, as if it, as if it literally doesn't right. exist, as if blood doesn't circulate through your body, as if right. erections don't work. But, and that's not good. And, and, not good. Not no. Right. Not good at all. And and you know, just treat it with like. And I don't want to sound too disparaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but there there's a place for allopathic medicine mm-hmm. and for Western medicine, and there's yeah. a time to go and. And I I recommend everyone that comes to work with me get their testosterone tested. That they work with a physician. You know, I want to be a part of the solution. Right. I don't want to yeah. be the whole solution. I can't right. be right. And on the other side, there's the, there's the strictly allopathic, uh, strictly <laughs> right. Western medicine. Like and all that stuff is nonsense. It has no place, which completely ignores the fact that so much performance anxiety does not have a, you know, it has a physiological manifestation in right. the sense that it causes ED or PE, premature ejaculation, but it doesn't have always a physiological root. And right. so sometimes right. when we go just to treat it mm-hmm. with a pill, it actually doesn't work. I've talked to so many men who have been given pill after pill after pill, Viagra, Cialis, everything in between. Yeah. And they still can't get an erection. Right. And at one point it's because, you know, we, we have to look at more than just, right. yeah, your mind is in many ways more powerful than, than the right. best that Western medicine. Oh yeah. Grow. So I think anything, you know, the bad advice is the advice that discounts one side and, and favors the other. Yeah. I love that. that. That's great. That's, that's really awesome. I really do respect that because I don't know. In my field, you know, of course, science, you know, is truth, rules over everything. But when it comes to sex, which is also an art form in itself, you can't ignore that part. Totally. Yeah. And we do ourselves a disservice if, if we do. And, and a lot of people feel like they're broken right. when science and, and Western medicine doesn't treat their issue. And they continue to kind of bark up that tree when the answer might be um, uh, more on the emotional, mental, spiritual side. Yeah. Well, 
I have one more question for you before we wrap up the public interview. Here's a question. Who is one of your heroes in this area? Wow. Just one. Okay, um, give, it, give me three. If you, if you got more okay, than one, okay. give me three. I can give you three. Okay. Perfect, thank you. Um, so Esther Perel, who's the author of Mating in Captivity, she is the godmother of modern sex therapy, yeah. relationship therapy, couples counseling. If you have not heard of her, do yourself a favor, run, do not walk. She's got amazing books, podcasts. She was doing some fantastic Facebook. It's just a genius, just just a genius, and, and I love the way that she works. Um, my own mentor, her name is Jaya, J-A-I-Y-A. Um, she's the developer of the system called the Erotic Blueprints. It's sort of like if you've ever heard of the five love languages, I hate doing yeah. this, but it's the fastest way for me to describe it. Right, right. Similar to the five love languages, right? Your partner's trying to give you eroticism in this language, and perhaps huh. you don't speak that. Interesting. And there's another language yeah. that you do speak, and I could go on. Maybe that's oh my what God. we'll talk about in our Yeah, our that's amazing. Interview. Yeah, the, the erotic blueprints are they're the answer to so many couples' sexual dysfunction and struggles. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that those those two women are for me. They I I could not recommend them and um, and their work highly enough. And, and there are more, but oh well, give me one more. Um, you did say three. Yes, uh, Emily Nagoski, the author oh, yes. of Come As You Are. Uh, if you are a person who has sex with women, is interested in having sex with women, is a tri- or is a woman, I. Cannot recommend her book highly enough. It is a perfect example of a combination of something that is very deeply rooted in empirical science and evidence Mm -hmm. and also includes those more light touches that make it incredibly accessible and a great read. So come as you are. And those three are uh, mentors at the the top of their field and, and I cannot recommend them highly enough. I love that. Come as you are. It's been on my reading list. I feel bad I haven't read it yet because like you know, I'm kind of in that industry. So, you know, I feel like it's definitely required reading for sure. It's great. It explains a lot about sex and sexuality. Even it's directed at women, obviously, but there, there's a fantastic breakdown of how arousal works for all human beings. And um, yeah, you got to check it out. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's jump into the private interview. Uh, I can't wait to ask about the erotic blueprints, but before we end this public interview, where can someone find out more about you? You can find me at bettersexcoach.com or by searching Better Sex Coach on YouTube or search Caitlin V that's spelled with a C and two I's, Caitlin V. Awesome. Bettersexcoach.com, guys. That's right. Cool. Thanks for joining me on the public interview, Caitlin. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Austin. Want to see what the top experts have to say behind the scenes? Just go to modernbiotechradio.com and you'll get instant access to every behind-the-scenes interview for free. Now, these interviews are not for the public, so please don't share. But if you'd like to pull back the curtain with me and learn what secrets they reveal, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to these interviews for free. Again, that's modernbiotechradio.com. If you'd like to learn the best-kept secrets, that they can't share publicly, but allowed me to share in private, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to all of these interviews completely free. I'll see you there. And now for our lovely legal and medical disclaimer. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. I will double check all my facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. I'm simply presenting my views 
that are as evidence-based as possible. I welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. I take no money from drug companies. By listening to this podcast or reading this blog or watching this YouTube video, you agree to not use this podcast blog or video as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including, but not limited to, patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast, blog, or YouTube account. Under no circumstances shall Austin Wolf, Launch Medical, Moonpool LLC, or the Novus Anti-Aging Center, or any guests or contributors, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Launch Medical, Moonpool LLC, or the Novus Anti-Aging Center, be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast, blog, or video. This blog or podcast or video should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast, blog, or video. This website, blog, podcast, and video are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website or blog, I will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. One more note. I have no idea what I'm talking about, and people that listen to me have a 100% mortality rate. This is true. Think about it. So please, consult your physician for any medical advice, uh, because this blog post podcast and YouTube video or any other video are meant for educational and entertainment purposes only.